0: I want y'all to just take this time, just in God's spirit right now, just, if you have anything that you need to pray for, anything in your life right now that you want to get off your chest, anything that is bothering you, anything that is making you happy, anything that's giving you gratitude, anything that's, that's holding you down, anything that you feel like is just overcoming you any of those things that are good or bad, let's take this, this time right now while, while we have God's spirit here with us and just give it to him. Just give everything to him. We come before you today, thanking you for this day, this night that you've given to us, where we can come to your come to your home, come to your house, that we get to praise and worship you, that we get to do it together, we get to do it as a community, we get to, we get to do it as a group, we get to do it as youth. Father, that we come we can come before you and just and just hear your word and just meditate in your word, that we get to be surrounded by your spirit. Just be overcome by your spirit. Father, we thank you for the opportunity because there's places all over the world, especially right now during this time that people can't go anywhere. People are afraid to do anything. But Father, we don't put our faith in 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 a virus. We don't put our faith in the things that bring us down. We don't put our faith in politics. We don't put our faith in in, in our work. We don't put our faith in, in what's going to happen next year, Father. We don't put our faith in what's going to happen tomorrow, Father. What we put our faith in is you. Father, we put all of our faith, everything that we have, everything that we could ever have, anything that we've had, Father, we we give it to you, Father. It's, it's all from you and and all we can say is thank you, Father, because you gave us the opportunity to do that. Father, you gave us the opportunity to just be here and sing and, and just feel your presence, Father God. And that right there is just a blessing. It's a miracle, Father, that just to have your spirit, to be overcome by your spirit, Father God. And we, we thank you for that, Father. We As we're here, uh, being able to hear your word, Father, that uh, you use me father that that is not me who is speaking it it's it's you that's speaking through me father god father that it may touch somebody father we thank you for this opportunity father that you're just working through us father you're guiding us you're leading us you're protecting us father god father we thank you for your mercy and your grace that that just overcomes us each and every day father god when we don't deserve it you give it to us still so father god we thank you father we worship you and we praise you you, God, thank you. Alright, so, God gave me this, something to go over, and, and it's something that is really interesting in my life, and a book that's really interesting to me, so. Thank you, God. Thank you. All right, everyone. How y'all doing today? Everyone filled up. Everyone have the Holy Spirit. Everyone feels God right now. All right. So I want to thank God because I got the opportunity. I got the opportunity to to preach. You know, I haven't haven't been able to do it in a while. And uh, so I want to thank God. I am a little nervous. I don't know why I always get a little nervous before I've done this before. But if you all help me out, just kind of like stretch a little bit, you know, wave your arms, do do whatever you need to do, loosen up, help me loosen up a little bit. All right. So as you can see, uh, what we're going to go over is, this is my, my topic, is even when I, even when I don't see you. But before I go over that, before I even read anything, uh, I just want to like give a little story that kind of like break it down. Hopefully, um, a couple years ago, a, a couple years ago, me and my family kind of went through like a tough time. Like we we went through a really hard time. It was probably I think it was 2018, the year 2018 was probably like the roughest year for me for for my family was at the time it was just me and Jesse it was me and my wife and during that time we we just got married in 2017 uh, we I lost my job I lost my job and then we had to you know we we had to like downgrade I wouldn't say downgrade but we had we got another apartment that you know that wasn't like the same as the one that we had before um, <clears throat> I lost my job, and Jesse was still working, and, you know, so she was basically providing when I couldn't provide, and that alone, that that alone right there just hurt me. That, like, as as a man, it, it hurt me. Like, as a, a husband, it, it hurt me, because, you know, all we hear time and time and again is that the husband is the one that's supposed to bri- provide for the family, and the man is the, you know, the man of the house, and he's got to do what he's got do to do to do that. But, you know, that's why God gives us a wife or to To you know, help support, and so that that took a while for me to learn. But during that time, Jesse was working. I still couldn't find a job, and then we find we come to find out that you know, she's pregnant and re- with our daughter that's that uh, just turned two two years old last month, and uh, <clears throat> so we thank God for that. But um, that right there was a hard time. I had no job. She was pregnant. She was working and. Like if I didn't feel like crap before, I felt like crap now because I couldn't do anything like to support anybody, and and then she w- she was feeling uncomfortable working and and being pregnant, and we just said like I don't know how we're gonna do it, but you're you're gonna quit like you, you, you shouldn't be working because the job alone was just, like stressing her stressing her out, and so we were like okay, you know what like I don't know how we're gonna do it. I'm gonna find a job. I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna do something to like get us get us through this, but you know what i don't I don't have it yet, but you're gonna quit, so she quit and then and then, yeah, it got worse <laughs> and so and so what ended up happening is our daughter was born, she wasn't working, I had no money coming in, and we were just basically basically living living off of whatever came our way, you know, like I would make i don't know, we sold our car. We sold our car to like pay mo- pay rent for like the next couple of months. Um, we would get my my dad to help us out, which I didn't want to, but you know I was like just depending on like basically depending on him. And he was like, "Hey, like I we, we need help. We don't we don't have any like we just paid our rent, but we don't have any we don't have any money for for food." Uh, luckily, like Jesse like breastfed, so like we didn't have to worry about formula or anything. But we you know we had to get diapers. We still had to get, like, all the clothes for her. We, she needed everything to, like, so she can be clean, uh, so she can be taken care of. And, and, like, I could care less if I ate, like, but, like, you know, for them. And and so it came to a point where I didn't have anything, you know, and then we, we didn't have anything. My, my daughter is you know, she was just born. She she was just born. And then probably, I, w- I wouldn't even say not even a month later, um, the... The apartments left a note on our door saying, like, "Hey, you have to be out by by this weekend, or or we're gonna like lock up the place and take everything." And so, literally the next day, oh, actually, sorry, I did get a job, like, but it was like that that month. So, but it was already too late for me to do anything. I had just got the job. I wasn't making that much money, and but so what we did was the next day we called my parents, got a U-Haul, took everything out and we went to go live with my parents and and that alone that that broke me like like I don't think you 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 could believe like I I was I was in the worst place I I feel like I've told stories of when I was in depression but that just took me back like like you wouldn't believe I was I remember I couldn't even get my daughter to go to sleep one night like she was crying all night she was crying all night and to, to help Jesse so she can sleep, I took her downstairs and just wanted to like just hold her and try to put her to sleep. I didn't care what it took. I was thinking about taking her for a ride in the car and see if that would work. I was like, you know what? I don't have gas. I, sh- I probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> and so, but Jessie came out. She was like, I can't sleep. Just give me the baby. But she said it in a way where she was tired and she just had a baby. So, like, she's going to be agitated. But that alone, like, I was already sensitive. And so the way like, she just took the baby from my arms, I was like, man, I really can't do anything right now. I can't do anything right. Like, I can't even put my baby to sleep. And so, like, I, I remember I just stood down, stood stood at, at the bottom of the stairs just crying because I couldn't do anything. And so we made it to my parents and everything, and we spent a whole year, no, year and a half with my parents. Um, <clears throat> we spent a year and a half with my parents, just uh you know trying to work, trying to make some money, uh Jesse was taking care of the kids i mean uh, of our baby, and you know we're just taking that time just to just to see what God was gonna do, you know, like we like i don't I don't know what was gonna happen, and like that whole time, like instead of like putting my faith in god i I did a lot of questioning, like, God, why are you doing this to me like why are you letting this happen why why haven't I found a job like, or why haven't I found a better job? Like this job is not gonna give me, give me anything. At the time, like the job that I did find, I was like managing a, a pizza place, and I had worked in fast food and like food most of my life, and this is probably like one of like. I was making alright money. It wasn't like you know like I can go and get a place and support my family. It wasn't that type of place. I was making decent money where I can save up and do things like that. <clears throat> But it was the worst job I could ever have. Like, even though I was making money, I'd rather work at Chick-fil-A and make minimum wage than work at that job. And so that, that's how bad it was. And I ended up doing that, by the way. <laughs> and and so what I'm going to do now is... I'm going to leave y'all hanging for a minute. So if you'll put up my first verse. All right, so this book that we're going to go in, that we're gonna go into is the Book of Esther. I don't know if any of you are familiar with the Book of Esther or have read it or taken the time to read parts of it. But this book is awesome. It's probably one of my favorite books. And and like I'll go through it. I'll read it. I probably read it about 10 times already and and I can read it like just just in one sitting. I'll just read it through through like the night before I go to sleep. And each time I read it I get something different. And what's what's so interesting to me about this book, what, like, pulled me into this book is, I don't know if you know, there's 66 books in the Bible. Two of them are are named after after women, Ruth, Esther. But this is the only book in the Bible that does not mention God. And that that was, like, interesting to me just right out the gate. And that's what made me, like, want to read it. Because the first question in my head was, why why is there a book in the Bible that doesn't mention God? There's no, you know, there's nothing, no word that says God, it doesn't say Lord, it doesn't say anything. Well, it does say Lord, but it, it mentions another, like a secular, a secular Lord, a secular king. But it doesn't mention, you know, like God Himself, like He's not in there. Or that's what it that's what it looks like. And so as I read it, I was like okay, like, this this book is, is interesting, like, okay, I still don't get it. I had to read it again. And I read it again. And I was like, okay, I, I can kind of see it now. And so, the reason this book is interesting, why it doesn't mention God, is because I think we need to get that behind-the-scenes, that behind-the-scenes perspective on on how God works. Every other book mentions God and see how God is doing this and what God is doing here. But this book, it doesn't mention that. It just gives you that that perspective of of what is God doing? Why is God doing this? Why is, is he letting this person go through this? Or why he's letting this group of people go through this? Or answering that question to yourself, why is this happening in my life? And so as we'll read right here, Does say Xerxes? Yeah. My version says a different name, but Xerxes works. It says, for some time later, when King, king Xerxes' rage had cooled down, he remembered Vashti, what she had done and what, and what was decided against her. The king's personal attendance suggests that let a search be made for beautiful young virgins for the king. Let the king appoint commissioners in each province of his kingdom, so that that they may gather all the beautiful young virgins to the harem at the fortress of Susa. Put them under the supervision of Haggai, the king's eunuch, keeper of the women, and give them the required beauty treatments. Then the young women who pleases the king will become queen instead of Vashti. This suggestion pleased the king, and he did accordingly. In the fortress of Susa, there was a Jewish man named Mordecai, son of Jarrah, Son of Shimei, son of Kish, a Benjamite. Kish had been taken into exile from Jerusalem when the other captives, with the other captives, when King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon took King Jeconiah of Judah into exile. Mordecai was the legal guardian of his cousin Hadassah. That is, that is Esther, because she had no father or mother. The young women had beautiful figure. This young woman had a beautiful figure, and she was extremely good-looking. When her father and her and her mother died, Mordecai had adopted her as her own daughter. When the king's command and edict became pop, public knowledge, and many young women were gathered at the fortress of Susa under Haggai's supervision, Hester was taken to the palace. And to the supervision of Haggai, keeper of the women, the young women, the, the young women Pleased him and gained his favor, so that he accelerated the process of the beauty, beauty treatments, and the special diet that she received. He assigned seven hand-picked female servants to her from the palace and transfer her to her and her servants to the harem's best quarters. Okay, so that right there. So if you haven't read Esther, just to go, I'll give you a little bit before. Queen uh, King Xerxes, who's the the king of Persia, this amazing superpower, this amazing kingdom in in Asia, who basically was the king of, which is I think present day Iran right now, but conquered so much past that. Uh, he he was he was just all powerful. He had everything that he could ever want, and he was at a party or he had a party. It was 180. Six 183 days or something like that that they were partying for. And he wanted he wanted everybody to see his queen, that how beautiful she was, and everything. And when she refused, this is what happened. He was like, She refused? Okay, so I'm gonna get another queen that's gonna obey me. And so Esther, who who is a Jewish woman, and a cool thing about Esther that I just learned today. If you look at Esther's name, if you take the H out of her name and put it into the front, it creates then it creates a word called Hester. Hester in Hebrew means hidden. So I think that was really interesting. It's a little little tip, little insider. But I thought that was really interesting. Um, so so Vashti angers the king. The king creates this decree where he he gets to basically have a beauty pageant. Have the most beautiful women in all of his and all of his command to come, and they were going to have a beauty pageant, and he was going to choose the the victor. He was going to choose the the beauty queen. But this whole this whole time, this this whole process took years and years and years. Like, in just just so the women can be prepared, they had six months where they were just bathing in oil. Just bathing in oil to like be cleaned, like six months just for that, and then after that was done, another six months of being perfumed. They'd just be perfumed and covered in perfume for six months, so a whole year just to be, just so you can be seen by the king. But that was after every woman like had to go like and see the king and and but the whole the whole point, Hester was the one that was chosen. Somehow, Hester's, Hester's beauty, her her figure came came into play, and then she was the one that was chosen by King Xerxes. <clears throat> and so we'll leave it there. Get the next verse. We're gonna go into. Sorry, uh, to be, chapter two nineteen. Okay, so we'll skip. And it says, when the virgins were gathered a second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Esther still did not reveal her family background or her ethnicity. As Mordecai had directed, she obeyed Mordecai's orders as she had always had while he raised her. During those days, while Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bigthan and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs who guarded the entrance, became infuriated and planned to assassinate King Xerxes when Mordecai learned of the plot he reported it to the queen he reported to queen Esther and she and she told the king on Mordecai's behalf when the report was investigated and verified both men were hanged on the gallows this event was recorded in, in the historical record in the king's presence you go to the chapter 3 verse 1 and it says after all this took place king Xerxes honored Haman son of Haman sorry, Hemandatha the Agagite, he promoted him in rank and gave him a higher position than all other than all other officials. The entire royal staff at the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Haman, because the king had commanded this to be done for him, but Mordecai would not bow down or pay homage. So Mordecai, who is in charge of who not in charge of she he took care of Esther when she was young and so he 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 saw this what was happening uh, he decided to you know tell Queen Esther and Esther she couldn't say who who did this because the Jews were you know being persecuted the Jews were being you know they were nothing to to the Persian you couldn't go talk to anybody you couldn't go talk to anybody in the kingdom if you were a Jew and so Esther, I mean, Mordecai told Esther, Esther, you know, decided to tell uh, the king. But instead of honoring Mordecai, who was the person who actually saved him, he honors Haman, who, who became the second in command. And Mordecai being the person that he is, he decided, when when everyone was kneeling to, to Haman, he decided, I'm not going to kneel to anybody, I only kneel to one person. And I is that I only I only kneel to a God that it doesn't say that here, but that's the type of person Mordecai was. He was a God-fearing person. He was. He believed he had faith, and and this is one of the interesting things. He, it doesn't say God in here, but you can you can feel God in here. You can see like the the way God works, and so so with this, Mordecai. Mordecai was became Haman's Haman's villain, became Haman's enemy just like that, and <laughs> he became Haman's enemy just like that. And so, what Haman decided to do is, he wanted he talked to the king. He was like, "Hey, you know what? There's this group of people out here, and like they don't believe any of the things that we believe. They don't follow the laws that we believe in. Uh, they don't." Uh, do the things how we do them. Like, it's it's a little weird. I don't think you should have that in your kingdom. And King Xerxes, he wasn't an evil person. He wasn't, like, a bad person. But he was easily manipulated. He was easily, you know, encouraged by things. So he, he didn't, he wasn't, like, a bad like person. He was just, you know, following what people were telling him. And so him being the, Haman being the second person to him, he decided he's like, hey, like we need to get rid of this, rid of this group of people, or oh, they happen to be Jewish. Let's let's just get rid of them. Let's annihilate them. And so, the, <clears throat> so King Xerxes g- gives him his his like royal pen, his his signet, his ring, and he was like, hey, okay, here, do whatever you want to do. I said, okay. So they make a decree, and he's like, you know what? We're gonna destroy all the all the Jews, and unknowingly Esther is a Jew, so he just sentenced his queen, his wife to death without knowing. And so this is where we'll go into chapter four, verse thirteen. And so during the during this time, Mordecai finds out about this. He he takes the he takes the decree cuz everybody gets a copy of the decree all the new rules and laws that are being passed everyone gets a copy so he takes this to Esther or he, he takes it to to a servant cuz now they can't communicate directly so they have messengers and so he takes it to a messenger and, and gives it to gives it to Esther the messenger like sees it he says, okay go go tell him that uh like well basically what do you, what, what can i do about this like what do you want me to do and and Mordecai is basically like pleading, begging her, like, "Hey, like, you're the closest to the king. You have something to do. You can do this." And he said, "Well, nobody can go to the king unless he calls you." And and he was like, "Well, I ne- you need to do this. Like, you know, this is your people. This is this is you. You're Jewish. Don't forget, you're Jewish." He's like, "I'm Jewish." He's like, "We're we're a family. We're a group. Like, you have to you have to do this." And she says. Well, I I don't I don't know really like I I don't know what you want me to do, but at that point Esther had gotten comfortable where she's at. She's being served, you know. People are looking at her beauty. She's you know she's got everything that she could want, and so that that's where that's where you see like the kind of the resistance in in our human nature is once we get comfortable we don't want to do like you know like we don't want to step out of our comfort zone and You know, you can see that, and this person, like, it makes you see, like, it's okay. Like, you know, you're not crazy if you feel a little resistance to to not do anything. But Mordecai says this to her. It says, Mordecai told the messenger to reply to, to Esther, Don't think that you will escape the fate of all the Jews, because you are in the king's palace. If you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place. But you and your father's family will be destroyed. Who knows, perhaps, who knows, perhaps you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And th- this verse right here is kind of like what kind of like brings Esther all together. For such a time as this. I think we go through like so many things, you know, like to, we go through so many things and we, don't see why it's happening, or we don't understand why it's happening, or can't comprehend why it happened until and, until you're like years down the line, and you get to where you're supposed to be, and you turn around and you like look at the path that you just went through, and you were like, "That was horrible, but but it was worth it." Like I don't know why I went through it, and I was just listening to a preaching on our way over here. And he was he was talking about crazy faith. Uh, the, this pastor who, who did like a 20, 20 long series of over faith, uh, but the first one he was talking about would Would you rather? No, God will show God will show you the the path, but not the mountaintop, or He'll show you the mountaintop, but not the path. And I was like, Wow, that's interesting. That, that that's really cool. Like, would you Would you want to see the path that you're going to, or you want to see where God's going to take you? And like, as a Christian, like, you know, you're pumped and you're in church. I was like, I just want to see the mountaintop. Like, I want to, I want to see that. Like, I don't care what I had to go through. I want to go over there. But as a human being, when you start going through the path, you're like, man, I wish I had seen the path. I was like, it would make me see, like, if it is it worth it? Like, do I want to go through this path to get to the mountaintop? I was like, I don't know. I'm comfortable here. I like it here and that's how we get we're 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 human and that's that's where i feel like she was at at that moment he was like i don't i don't see what's going to happen but like you know i can see this and i'm good here i'm good here like i'm comfortable like like i'm sorry i don't know what's going to happen to you you're you know be hung and when they say hung in here in, in this book i've like done research i kind of deep dive on here when they do re, when i did the research when they say hung or like you're going to hang somebody what they do is, is, build this like, I think it's like an eight-foot stake or an 18-foot stake, and they throw you onto the stake, so you're like literally hanging, not hang you by the neck. They throw your body onto a stake, and like you're just hanging like this, instead of being hung on your neck. That that's, and so that's what they were gonna do to all these Jewish people. They were gonna hang them. That sounds horrifying. But, you know, this is, you know, that that's what she feared. She was like, I'm going to keep quiet as much as I can. I'm going to stay here, and, you know, like, I don't know what happens, like, to you. I'm sorry. Like, I love you, uncle, or I love you, cousin, but, you, you know, you're on your own. But but he told her, he was like, don't think just because you're comfortable in your little palace doesn't mean your 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 truth is not going to come out. Like, your truth is going to come out, and it's going to happen. And, you know, God's going to deliver God's going to deliver the people regardless of whether you do it or not. And so, uh, after that, God uh, Esther was like, "Okay, you know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. Okay, I got to do this." And so, she she goes and tells his messenger. The messenger goes and tells Mordecai, and and Mordecai was okay. So, what are we going to do? And so Esther says, "We're going to go and fast for three days." We're going to fast and pray for three days, night and day. And and then after the three days, I'm going to go talk to Xerxes, whether he calls me or not. And she, and she says at the end, if I perish, I perish. If I die, I die. That's what happens. I'm going to go through it. And if if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. I'm going to be there because I'm, I'm putting my faith in God. And I think that's so interesting because, that, like I said, God is not mentioned. She doesn't say, I'm going to go pray to God or, God, help me, please. Like, I'm going to go pray and fast with like absolute confidence, with absolute faith. Like, I'm going to go fast. I'm going to go do this. And if I die, I die. That's it. Like, whatever. But that right there, you see, you see God. You see the faith in God. You see God working and and everything that had to happen and I don't know like about y'all, but sometimes I'll think about something that happened and I'll go I'll go back in time I was like like I had to go through this, I had to go through that just to get here so i'm gonna, I'm gonna finish up real quick. I'm gonna finish the story that I was telling you <clears throat> where I left it where we were staying at my parents' house, come here twenty twenty we come year twenty twenty the beginning of the year I had just got a job I got a new job a better job the job I'm currently working at right now, so I thank God for that because i got a, I got a new job a job that like I probably never felt more supported in my life at that job um you know i just I'm just like really happy i have wanted to work there for like as long as I could remember and uh it turns out. The owner of the of the job I'm working at, he, I worked for his dad when I was a teenager. And so, come February, I got the job, what is it, March, when we, when we went into lockdown? We went into mo- lockdown in March. And the, the job is a startup, it's a startup company. Um, so we, we went into lockdown in March, we were working from home, technically. Um, <clears throat> and then it comes like a month later, a couple months later, that uh, we're still in lockdown, and like we get a we get a message like, "Hey, like we're gonna have to furlough people." And for those of you that know, don't know what furlough is, is basically like technically you still have a job here, but we're not gonna pay you. The government's gonna pay you, and so it's basically like, "Hey, like you don't work here anymore. Like you're still here, but you're not working here anymore." And so they announce they announce that any any volunteers are furlough. That's no, we're not going to furlough during a pandemic. Like, why would I do that? And so, but it is basically basically giving people a chance to do it themselves. And so a couple of weeks later after that, they were like, okay, well, now we have to furlough people. And so when, when they gave that announcement, I was like, whoa, I was the last one hired. So it was nice meeting y'all. I love y'all. Like, thank you for the opportunity. <clears throat> but that didn't happen, you know. Thank God, like I got to keep my job. Like I got to keep my job and and I got to keep my job and like a couple weeks ago, actually last week, I was talking to a coworker of mine and and we were talking about that that situation right there of like how like like how that happened. Like and I was just being honest with him, you know, honestly I was the last person here. Like I'm I'm still su- surprised to this day of why I got to keep my job. He's like, oh, I know why. And I was like, what do you mean you know why? And he's like, well, the guy I was talking to, he, he, his cousins, his cousin is like our manager, and he's like best friends with the owner. And so he was like, yeah, I was with my cousin when when uh, when Nick called. Nick is the owner. He was like, I was with my cousin when he called, like saying that who who we're gonna furlough. We had to furlough, furlough somebody from his group, and there was like eight of us at the time, and we had to furlough one of them. And he and I was like, okay, yeah, that's the one person that's got to be me. I'm the last person to, to get hired. And he was like, Nick was telling his cousin, he was like, well, you and your family are safe. There were like three of them that were working. It was like, you and your family are safe for sure. Uh, there's a guy in Fort Worth. He's going to be safe because nobody wants to drive to Fort Worth. Um, who else? There was another guy he was safe because there was another guy in Austin because we only had one place in Austin nobody's going to go in Austin and so it was like me and three other dudes and he was like oh and Don is Don is safe too and I was like how how did that happen and and he was like well Nick Nick remembered that you that you used to work for his dad and so he wanted to keep you because like you know his dad said that you you had like worked very good at Chick-fil-A and, and it was such a long... I was a teenager when I worked at Chick-fil-A. Like, when, when I worked for his dad, I worked for Chick-fil-A for such a long time, but I worked for his dad when I was a teenager and he remembered that and, and like, for that reason, he, he kept me. And I was like, how in the world does that even happen? Like, I had to, like, when I was 15, I had to get hired by this dude that way, you come in 2020, I get hired by your son, and for the same reason, because I was hired by his dad, I got to keep my job. And I was like, I my, I still can't comprehend it. Like My mind goes like crazy trying to think about all the little things that had to happen for me to get the job at Chick-fil-A so I can keep my job that I have now. And... Like as much as I try and contemplate everything, that like, like, how it works, and I was like, I have no words to do it. Like, you know, my mind, my brain is way too small for that. And 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 I think about it. it's it just, I feel like steam coming out of my ears just trying to think about it. And but that's when I when I read this, I see like all the things that had to happen all the things that, like, could go wrong, that had to go right. You know, there's a billion things that have to go right and one thing to go wrong to screw it up. And, and like, even though during that, that, that time in 2018 where, like, I couldn't see God, like, I didn't see, like, what God was doing in our life, come to find out two years later, I got to see what God is doing in my life and it's just when when you go through these things it's 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 hard it's rough it's the worst thing you could possibly go through and you question everything but when you get there god is it amazing it feels so good just just to see god working and a, like just like I said, I can't I can't put it into words, it's hard to like even contemplate. I was talking to talking to Jesse like the other day, I was like, one day will we get to heaven? Like, do you think I'll be able to ask God like 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 about this part? Like do I get to like see like what had to happen, like every little tool and it's just not not just my life. Somebody there's other people, other things that had to like like my sister worked at Chick fil A before I even was born. And so, like my sis, my sister was the one that helped me get the job, and so she had to work there for me to even like have a chance to work there. And it was just, like it's just so much, like I can't even like think about it. But, but God, that that's what God wants you to see. like. He wants you to understand, even though, even though you don't see me, like just know that I'm working. It's like, and. It's amazing, I thank God. So, I'm actually going to hand it over to Hermano. Hermano's going to finish it off for us. But just remember, even when you don't see him, God is working. And even if you don't understand why he's doing it, like, he's preparing you. Just like Esther was being prepared a whole year just to get a chance to meet the king. God is preparing you for such a time as this.
1: Muy bien. Pues gracias a Dios Ya casi nos vamos Así que vayan despertando ya No, cierto, están todos despiertos, son jóvenes Muy bien Esta parte, esta historia que acabamos de escuchar es bien interesante. ¿Por qué? Porque el pueblo de Israel, esa parte judía, todas los iban a matar. Era un decreto. La ley persia era bien dura. Cualquier decreto que se daba con el anillo del rey no podía ser revertido. Así que estaban en duros aprietos. Así que en tu vida quizás vas a pasar por problemas, dificultades, pero hay una ventaja. Aunque el enemigo haya querido sellar tu sentencia, Cristo Jesús vino a romper toda maldición. Vino a romper toda la sentencia que hay en contra de ti. Así que eso nos da una alegría, un entusiasmo de saber que las cosas que están o las cosas que estamos pasando o puedes estar pasando, Dios las puede tornar para bien. Ese es el Dios que servimos. Así que no estamos sujetos a sufrir de una manera como el enemigo nos quiere llevar. Vamos a sufrir si es que ese sufrimiento viene de parte de Dios. Entonces lo aceptamos, pero el Espíritu Santo nos da las fuerzas para poder pasar ese tramo. Y lo vamos a pasar, pero al pasar del otro lado, nos llevaremos la sorpresa grata a cada uno de que conocimos más a Dios. Ahí es cuando te das cuenta que esa prueba viene de parte de Dios, porque te lleva a conocer más a Dios. Cuando es una situación del enemigo, es bien fácil detectar. aleja de Dios y cuando sientes que esa prueba, esa circunstancia esa situación te está alejando de Dios puedes detectar rápidamente esto no proviene de Dios, así que entonces te paras en la roca que es inconmovible y dices Dios quiero que reinviertas esta cosa que sucedió este pasado o esta circunstancia Y que la tornes para bien, a través de tu sangre preciosa, limpia toda circunstancia o todo lo que haya quedado, para que yo pueda continuar en el presente. Si no crees de esa manera o no lo haces de esa manera, mucha gente queda marcada en el pasado y vive en el presente y es arruinada en el futuro. No tienes por qué vivir así. Dios está aquí. Dios se compromete a que iba a estar con nosotros. Así que vivamos para Él, somos de Él, nos movemos por Él y reinaremos un día en la eternidad por Él. Vamos a ponernos en pie. Vamos a darle gracias a Dios. Sé que no es fácil ya cuando estás aquí adelante. Estuve mirando a Don, al principio se puso nervioso, pero después si lo dejamos aquí se la sigue, ya, ya no quería soltar el micrófono, pero está bien. Así yo sé que algunos si pasan por primera vez a los cinco minutos se les acaba las palabras, es normal. Pero vamos a pedirle a Dios que Dios vaya poniendo más en el corazón de los que Dios ha llamado y que Dios ponga los tiempos para que puedan ser entrenados en la casa de Dios. Te damos gracias, Dios, en el nombre de Jesucristo, Padre, porque tú veniste a romper toda maldición. Así que nosotros no vivimos bajo ninguna maldición, Dios, cualquiera que fuese, porque estamos escondidos en tus manos, Dios. Dios, un día Tú regresarás, Tú prometiste que regresarías por nosotros. Y aunque el futuro cercano fuere cambiando, sabemos que cada vez que vaya cambiando negativamente, cada vez será más cerca tu venida, Dios. Así que ayúdanos a mantener los ojos puestos en el autor y consumador de nuestra fe, para que vuestro ánimo no se canse hasta desmayar y podamos estar velando y no durmamos como los demás, para que cuando tú vengas de repente, nos encuentres despiertos espiritualmente hablando, Dios. Mientras que eso sucede, ayúdanos a entender y a comprender cómo es que debemos de mantener las lámparas que nos distes, cómo es que podemos mantenerlas con aceite, ayúdanos a entender que significa en la práctica eso Dios para que cuando tu vengas no nos encuentres sin aceite ayúdanos Dios por Cristo Jesús te damos muchas gracias a ti sea la gloria la honra, el poder y la alabanza por Cristo Jesús ahora Dios que vamos a nuestras casas llévanos en paz llévanos con bien Dios, y los que tienen hambre, ponles el pan, Dios, en el nombre de Jesucristo, Señor. Amén y Amén.